Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, it's time for Customer Experience Radio. Brought to you by Heineken Company, real estate advisors specialized in corporate relocation. Now, here's your host, Jill Heineck. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to another special edition of Customer Experience Radio. I'm Jill Heineck, your host, and I'm a business owner, real estate advisor, and customer experience enthusiast. Um, today's uh, episode is going to be very interesting. We are highlighting uh, a couple of experts in the healthcare field. We have Amy Otto and Matthew Harrison joining us from Jackson Healthcare. Um, Amy is the director of client experience for virtual med staff at Jackson Healthcare Company and has a diverse background in healthcare ranging from genomic and esteric testing to health insurance, wellness, and telemedicine. And then Matthew Harrison is SVP of Talent and Development at Jackson Healthcare. And in his role, he leads delivery in the areas of talent management and acquisition, learning and development, performance management, organizational development, change management. Wow, this is exhausting. Job and compensation analysis and diversity, equity and inclusion, all areas that impact the end user's experience. I want to welcome you both to the show. Thank you, Jill. Thank so you. when you when you introduce Matthew and you go through all those credentials, you'd think he'd be like 80 years old, but he's really young and it's even more impressive. So I understand 40 Thank under you. 40. He made the 40 under 40. Yeah, <laughs> I, I did. I, I, <laughs> I literally just celebrated my 39th birthday just <laughs> on Monday. So I, I barely got in just uh, I by the hair. You're still under 40. Good for you. <laughs> Happy birthday. Enjoy it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Well, I wanted to start a little bit, um, talk a little bit about your backgrounds and how where it led, you know, how it led you to where you are now. So Amy, do you want to give us a little bit on um, where you started uh, and, and how it's led you to the virtual med? Sure. So I've had over 30 of selling experience, everything from chocolates to genomic and esoteric testing to now um, telemedicine. So my background is diverse, but always in sales. And I think I was like born a salesperson because I always had a lemonade stand, even when I was a kid. I just always loved selling. Um, but really, I, the part of selling I think I've enjoyed the most is the relationships definitely a relationship-based salesperson. Actually, how I got to Jackson Healthcare, I'll let Matt talk a little bit more about their recruiting process, but I had been eyeing Jackson Healthcare since 2009. I was on a podcast, and one of the other guests was um, the HR director or the VP of HR at Jackson Healthcare, Mike Hippa, or Haifa, and he invited me to Jackson Healthcare to have lunch, and I away, and this is in 2009, just all the amazing amenities they had, how incredible they treated the employees. So for, gosh, a decade almost, I had been going to their website, seeing what popped up, and it was in research and mental health, actually, that I found my current position. I had um, lost six friends in seven months due to mental health related deaths of suicide and overdose. And I was researching, I'm like, my gosh, this is such a big problem. And 
And I stumbled across virtual medical staff and their telepsychiatry programs. And then I clicked on their website and I was like, oh my gosh, it's a Jackson Healthcare company. Like all, all roads lead to what I've been looking to do, which is be part of their culture, which is, is just amazing. So that's what got me to where I am today. That's fantastic. I love that story. Matt, in your short career, why don't you tell us how you landed with really <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jill. Yeah, so I'm actually an industrial organizational psychologist by training. I, I went to graduate school at the University of Georgia. And so after graduating from UGA, I entered into the field of human resources and so started immediately doing work around organizational development, organizational effectiveness, talent management, um, and initially started with uh, Cox Automotive, a division of Cox Enterprises here in Atlanta. Um, eventually moved in, and worked at McKesson for a few years, um, went on to a position at the, the Weather Channel, and then to Comcast. So, I mean, I've worked in a myriad of different industries. You know, working in HR is, is good because you obviously can kind of, you know, go between different industries. You don't have to be in a specific one. Um, I ended up being brought over to Jackson Healthcare by someone that I had worked with previously. So a prior leader uh, that had worked with me at the Weather Channel told me about an open position they had in the HR department at Jackson Healthcare. Um, unlike Amy, I actually hadn't heard of Jackson Healthcare. Um, but I mean, quickly when I came in and visited, like Amy talked about, you know, the culture that was so just apparent um, really made me feel like home and definitely made it feel like a place where I knew I could grow and, and make an impact. And so I've been with Jackson Healthcare since February of, of 2018. Excellent. Wow. So yeah, I know that I've, I've in my travels um, in the HR circles, I've heard um, what a culture has been really um, grown over at Jackson Healthcare. And I used to know a lot of the recruiting staff over there um, years ago, back probably in 2009 and, and 10. Um, and it's, it carries over still to this day um, how much people love working there and being a part of that, that environment. Um, so, Amy, why don't you talk a little bit about what your role um, as director of customer experience entails? Sure. So I was the director of business development. And about 18 months ago, I asked if I could revise my title to director of client experience because what I found is that I, as I grew my relationships with my clients, like the word business development, to me meant a salesperson wow. and not a consultant. And so it's in delivering this client experience that sales, but at the same time, it is truly showing that I have interest in, in what they're doing. And it's more of a partnership rather than a sales job. So what I currently do is I develop relationships and try to increase our service lines naturally. So we do telepsychiatry and teleneurology. So really just trying to expand. We have some large hospital systems and people buy from people they trust and like. And so that takes a while to build those relationships. And especially during COVID, that's been a little bit challenging for me. But um, I've, I've overcome it and have really... COVID as a way to strengthen some of these relationships. Um, but what I do currently is basically manage relationships for some of our current clients and uh, help to grow that business. So in terms of um, developing those relationships and making them deeper and then, you know, ultimately improving 
for expanding upon the customer experience, client experience, working with your company. Is there a particular blueprint that you follow or certain guidelines that, you know, you want to make sure that you touch on when you're, you know, kind of checking in with a client to find out how things are going? And is there any milestones that are set out for each? Great question. Yeah, really good question. So um, it's a little bit complex because not only am I managing the relationship with the key stakeholders, the CEO, chief nursing officer, that type of, of person, I'm also managing the relationship with the nurses that are presenting the patients to the doctor. So it's just very multifaceted. But one common theme through all of the relationship management has been to kind of categorize these relationships as to where I am. If I'm in the process of creating the relationship, um, different touch points, uh, am I an advocate, an educator, a peacemaker, a sounding board, a strategist, a strategic member of their team? Um, So when I look at the customer journey map, it's multifaceted. I'm in the process right now, actually, of creating one for our company because this is a new role and a a new way of looking at things. And so I try to categorize these touch points and areas of validation um, with functional teams that that we have and putting the pieces of the puzzle together to create the customer journey map. Well, that's the answer I was looking for. (laughs) A little bit, probably scattered and more creative. Oh, no, it's perfect. Notes. <laughs> but we're getting there. And, you know, a part of that is celebrating milestones, both with yeah. our clients and internally. But, you know, celebrating with the physician when they've seen their 500th patient via telepsychiatry or ribbon cuttings with our new clients and press releases and celebrating when able to reduce their wait time for strokes, those types of things, just really trying to find key points along the way that we can standardize and separate with our current clients. I love it. That's, that's exactly what we do in our business as well. Um, Matt, why don't you talk a little bit about how finding the right talent does impact, you know, how it leads to great customer service and then ultimately client experience. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think one of the things that my TA team does is, you know, partner with the business on the front end to really create, you know, the candidate profile that they know is going to ultimately be the best fit for all the roles of Jackson Healthcare. And so looking specifically at those positions that are client facing is really important that we look at what are those core competencies that we want those associates to have that we know will ultimately, you know, translate into them being effective in working with and engaging with ultimately our clients. And so it's things around obviously being effective communicators, um, having um, tenacity, being conscientious, conscientious, you know, making sure that they're following up and always really just kind of putting the customer first. And I think the way we go about doing that is really encouraging our managers to use the behavioral interviewing as the approach that they use to kind of get insight into how have those candidates previously approached specific situations and tasks that get at how they worked with, you know, clients and customers in the past, because typically past behavior is a pretty good predictor of what future behavior is going to be, is going to be like. And so, you know, in asking those questions and getting really good insight into how, you know, a candidate has approached a situation in the past, it allows us to see to what extent then does their approach align to what we're looking for 
and our associates, particularly ones that will be client facing. Excellent. I think that, you know, that makes all the sense in the world. And I think that the more that we are focused on (laughs) selecting the right talent, the better off we're going to be in terms of, you know, having the right people client facing. And that, that, that just seems like it, that's the way it should be, but it's not always that way, right? Would you say in your past roles, you've probably have seen they just filled the spot? Yep, yep, ab- absolutely. And I mean, what we often see too is when someone, you know, has an opening, a lot of times you'll have those managers that take that approach of just dusting off that resume and filling the role based on what that old resume looked like. And right. one of the things that I really encourage my team to do is to really use any new job opening as an opportunity to really consult with that hiring manager on looking at, you know, is this role as it's currently written really what this person is going to do? I mean, because it's amazing how quickly jobs and positions can transition. And, you know, when a, and when a role is open, that's really a prime opportunity to use it as a, a time to kind of make sure that that job description is truly as up-to-date as possible and, and even try to forecast, you know, is there any potential for this job to shift and change in the next 6, 12, or 18 months? And if so, let's make sure we create a candidate profile that aligns to that. And I think, you know, in addition to that, it's really important to kind of really get, a, you know, someone that's a good culture fit within the organization. Right. And I think that's paramount. So kind of going back to what you were saying earlier, Jill, about, you know, getting someone in there who is ultimately going to stay, you know, from a client experience perspective, clients like having a similar person or the same person that they're engaging and interacting with. You know, one of the worst things I think a business can do is have it where a client is reaching out, you know, to person A in, you know, April. And then when they reach back out in June, they're talking to somebody new. And then they're talking to someone, you know, yet again, that's new in September. You know, being able to establish an ongoing relationship with the same person is really important. And you're really only able to do that if you create, again, that candidate profile where the person is going to be a good fit for both the job and the culture and therefore more inclined to, to stay. So on your, um, in your, uh, on your team, is there at touch points or milestones where you check in to see how that employee is doing internally and then how they're working as they connect with the client? Yeah. So, I mean, I would say we definitely, for my um, TA managers, definitely we like to do a check-in quickly at 30 days to kind of just see within this first month, is the, the new hire that we put in place really meeting your expectations? And the thing there that's really good to do it that quickly is because oftentimes there may be just small things here and there that potentially, if overlooked, could turn into bigger things later on. And so really trying to pinpoint those things early on creates the opportunity for the manager in that new hire to go ahead and work through those things that, again, could turn into to bigger things long term. And obviously, for any new hires that are client facing, a lot of the questions that we ask and focus in on are how are they doing in regards to, you know, their effectiveness in interactions with the clients that they work with. Absolutely. So, um, what, so Amy, let's talk a little bit about what you're doing to keep your keep it fresh with your clients in terms of, you know, kind of staying connected with them. Um, I know in my business and real estate, you know, people can find a lot of the information that I might disseminate to them 
anywhere. So we've had to learn to be real creative to stay engaged and, and still develop that relationship and stay in front of them while still serving their needs, right? So asking the right questions and still trying to provide great information without being a pain um, and clogging up their inboxes, but also being able to really be a resource um, and someone that they can count on. So is there anything specific that you're doing in that, in that space? Yes. So over COVID, it, it became very evident that a lot of my clients just needed someone to talk to. I mean, it was the last 14 months have been so stressful for healthcare workers and anyone hospital affiliated, just so much unknown and just so much trauma. And, and so I really just checked in with my clients on a weekly basis and said, how are you doing? How are you holding up? What can we help with? How can we, you know, can we send you anything? Do you need masks? And, you know, Jackson Healthcare was so good about helping so many in not only in our local community, but um, nationwide. And, and so just really letting people know that we were here um, and listening and being very adaptable and flexible. We had to really adjust some of our programs that we were providing and so I, I started doing uh, lunches and sending um, some of my clients Uber gift cards and just saying, I know we can't get together in person, but let's have lunch or coffee. And then also just trying to get to know them deeper. I mean, that's the biggest thing for me is, is going deep, you know, not, not this surface relationship, um, just really trying to find um, commonalities and to go to go deeper in conversation and really get to know them um, and know their purpose. What is their why? Because it's cultivated. It's not just known. So I, you know, I enjoyed seeing their kids and their pets and engaging video conversations and, you know, just the day to day that I didn't have um, a lens to see when, you know, I'm just popping by and, and having lunch in a boardroom. It, so I really felt like I, I was able to use it as an opportunity to get to know people a lot deeper. Mm -hmm. And again, just really being flexible and being empathetic. I mean, empathetic leader, an empathetic salesperson in the last year has been essential. So um, I've really enjoyed getting to know um, people on a deeper level. And going back to what Matthew said, it's um, interesting when I went through the hiring process and even the onboarding. so much of what they do, you know, the um, growth wisdom, others first is um, their mission. So, you know, growth, wisdom, others first. You can apply that in any life. And, you know, also like the delivery of patient care. They're, the goal is to touch the lives and enhance the lives of all the touch, right. meaning whether it's patient care or in within the organization and then to be able to carry that out with your clients. Um, before I, before I even started, I got a picture frame in the mail that it said, we can already picture you as a valued employee of virtual med staff and loved it. It really resonated with me. So now when I'm prospecting. Guess what the prospect gets <laughs> a nice picture frame with, I can already picture you as an awesome client a virtual staff. I mean, it sticks with people. So, um, really, I might have to steal that idea. <laughs> yeah. And you that can go to fantastic. 
you go to Home Goods and get some really cute frames. And, you know, people love, whether it's their pets or their kids, people love to have pictures. So, you know, or, like or you download the app where you can have a digital photo framed and sent to them. There you go. Even better. Even so, better. But I love that idea. I think it's fantastic. And I think, you know, that's exactly what we were doing during um, when COVID hit. We were doing our care calls because we, we really and truly cared about what was happening with the client at that point. And we were not talking about real estate at all. It inevitably come, came up because of virtual learning and because of um, working from home. So mm-hmm. that inevitably came up, but that was not the purpose of the call. And and it, there were a few calls that were non-related at all. But, um, you know, I think that's important. I think people remember that. And I still today to this day, and I, I followed up with everybody from that inception of COVID and the shutdown and, and consistently through the last year have done that where quarterly we're just picking up the phone and making sure they're still okay but i've had several texts um from clients that have said you know we really just appreciate you picking up the phone even if i didn't get to talk to them they heard a voice on a voicemail um i think that makes an impact on your clients so matthew um do you go by matt or matthew (laughs) i'm fine with either okay I'll go ahead with your um, formal name, Matthew. Um, tell us, um, <laughs> tell us what you guys were doing in terms of taking care of your employees, um, who then would in turn take care of your clients. What were you doing during COVID that was mm-hmm. kind of taking care of them? Oh yeah, great question, Joe. I, I think one of the biggest things we did um, is just make sure that we were constantly communicating with them. I think. Ultimately, you know, associates just want to be in the know and and have their questions addressed and answered. And so we regularly try to anticipate what the questions would be, but also made sure that there were avenues out there where if associates did have any questions, that those would be responded to and addressed. I think another thing that we did that was quite different than a lot of other organizations is that we actually opened our offices back up. We did it safely, making sure that we had sanitation stations in place. Um, We had rules in terms of the number of people that could be in elevators. We had deep cleaning that was done on a regular basis. But we did that because we saw that there were a number of associates who actually wanted to come into the office. You know, I think we have HGTV to thank for all of us now having, you know, these open um, concept homes where many of us don't have doors except for our bedrooms. And so with with everyone being at home, it kind of kind of came a little difficult to actually have uh, meetings if your spouse or partner or whatever was in the other room having one as well. And so we opened our offices back up and to allow people, if they needed to, to have that space to come in. Um, another, I think, tremendous thing that we did is we have an on-site um, child care development center. And so we actually deployed our teachers from that center to the homes of a lot of our associates who were incredibly busy because obviously with us deploying physicians and nurses during the pandemic, a lot of um, our associates were the busiest and they have, have ever been. And so for those associates who then in turn didn't have childcare any longer due to COVID, we utilized the teachers that we had from our childcare center to go into their homes and, and assist and help them. I love that because that was what they needed the most at the time, right? Exactly, exactly. So what would you say, um, you know, from a talent perspective, what do you do um, to inspire your team to deliver at a high level? Oh, God, that's a great question. Um, 
One, I think the easiest thing that a leader can do is to truly lead by example. And so in everything that I do, I always, you know, try to ensure I'm doing it at the highest level of quality, you know, dotting every I, crossing every T, because I feel like I can't expect or ask for that same level of service from my team if if they're not seeing me exemplify those same behaviors. Um, And I think in doing that and the team then seeing in turn the positive feedback we get from that work, it encourages them to approach their work in that same way. But I think ultimately my team gets and understands that because of the work that we do with it being, you know, um, directly related to the associates that we're going to be bringing into the organization, as well as the ones that are already there, we say we play such a critical role in ensuring that the strong culture that we have at Jackson Healthcare stays as it is and is and it is something that um, we all can continue to value and really be able to, you know, have tremendous pride in. And I think that that's something that my team really gets. And kind of going back to to Amy's, what Amy was talking about earlier in terms of, you know, building those personal relationships with clients, that's really what we encourage our team to do from an HR perspective is build those personal relationships with our associates that we come into contact with. And, and that way, again, we get to know people outside of them just being associates or just being employees. We get to really know them as people. And I think because we have kind of created a culture where that's the case, because I mean, I really cannot tell you, Jill, the number of times I've been on the elevator and people ask you about your weekend. And then when you see them the next time, they follow up because they remembered what you really said, what you did during that weekend. So it's not like we do that because it's, it's this normal banter that you feel like you're supposed to have. It's literally because people do it because they genuinely care and remember and will follow up with you about it. And I think because we've created a culture where we do that with our colleagues, we naturally also do that with our, our clients. I love that. I love that. Um, I wanted to just pivot and for a minute, um, Amy, and if you want to kind of tell us a little bit about how do you measure or how do you know that the client is having the best experience that they can? So on a basic level, they're expanding their services. They're introducing me to other people within their organization. They're giving me referrals. They want to help me. So on, on a, a basic level, that that's that's how I gauge success right. and retention. You know, just how long have we had this client and what is their satisfaction rate? That's one thing I think I've, I've discovered over the years. People are afraid to ask how they're doing mm-hmm. or afraid to survey or or really dig deeper with their clients because then if the response is something they need to re- improve on, then they have to improve on it. You know, like people are afraid to ask because they don't want to know what they're going to hear. And I think that asking as many questions as possible and making sure that you're meeting expectations is just so important. Okay. Um, so on a, on a basic level, I would just say, you know, I've always been a relationship seller and, when you're doing a good job for someone saying, Hey, I've done a good job for you. I I'm, I'm hoping, is there somebody else that you know that I can also do a good job for, you know, because in, in the medical world too, it's very um, tight knit. And so they, people know other people. So it's, it's just a matter of, of really approaching things intentionally and empathetically and then um, letting it evolve naturally. So Building stronger relationships and more referrals, more revenue, that's what, what success looks like to me in my position. 
I love it. So, um, Matt, do you want to tell us, um, share with us any a recent win or um, something that has um, a recent accolade um, from in, within your team? Hmm, that's a great question. Let's see. Um, a recent one, I guess it would be our continual ability to illustrate that we truly are a best place to work. Um, and we initially really focused our efforts on doing that kind of more at the local and state level uh, via the Atlanta Business Chronicles annual list, which we have made numerous times. Uh, in the past few years, though, we've really tried to expand that to look at how are we doing in juxtaposition to companies and organizations nationally. And we've really targeted our efforts via the great places to work list that's done, you know, across the, the U.S. and um, have been great places to work, uh, best place to work certified the last few years, have been named uh, best place to work uh, for biopharma, best place to work for millennials, a best, place to, best, best place to work for women. And I think that's something that's important to us, too, is us starting to even look even more deeply at the extent to which are we best places to work for, particularly demographics. You know, part of my job is looking at our efforts around diversity, equity, and inclusion. And ultimately, we want to make sure that we're a best place to work for everyone. And so regardless of your race, gender, age, you see coming to Jackson Healthcare is something that's meaningful and adding value to you. And, and that's something that's very important to us. Well, and I think that also will tie into, you know, the type of customers that you attract. And, and yep. then you have people at every from every walk of life, um, diverse walk of life, serving these customers. And I think, you know, as we know, millennials and younger, they're looking to work with companies that um, serve the greater good, that serve everyone yep. and that are not exclusive. So mm-hmm. I think that is, that's a huge benefit um, to the way you're, you know, the way you guys are, are working your talent. Um, your talent that's so true. Talent, you think? I mean, it's so true, true Jill. Um, when, I was considering the position at virtual med staff. I, I was very involved in the capitalism movement. And I happened to go to one of the events and I didn't know that Shane Jackson was going to be speaking at the event. Huh. And so I was delighted when I saw that. And I mean, just the, that group through conscious capitalism is just such a great group of people like serving the greater good and, and really elevating humanity through business. Right. You know, what a novel idea. And so Shane Jackson spoke as well as the CEO of Whole Foods. Mm-hmm. And the the stories right. were just, you know, you, you realize that these are companies that aren't just about making money. They're about good, you know, right. and it's important society. So it's wonderful. So I'd like to ask before we wrap, I'd like to ask each of you to think to share with our listeners, um, a takeaway that something that would um, impact their business or the way they do business, um, you know, if they took it back to their, their office today, what would be one thing that you would recommend that they try to do to implement into their business today? You want to go first, Matthew? <laughs> sure. Sure. Th- thanks, Amy. Thanks a lot. Um, <laughs> gosh. Uh, I would, I would say I don't think organizations or some organizations, because I feel we actually do a pretty good job of it at Jackson Healthcare, but they don't take advantage of the tremendous feedback and information their employees potentially can give them. 
And so I would really encourage organizations to really utilize their employees as the subject matter experts that they are and really seek to not make decisions in vacuums and only bringing in the folks that are at the you know most senior levels within the organization. Because oftentimes it's really your front line, front level employees that are ones that are in the trenches, really know what's going on day to day, and therefore can have some of the most insightful information and perspectives and advice when it comes to particular decisions that the business should be making. And so I think a lot of organizations um, would be benefited by making sure that they're checking in with their employees more regularly and getting insight and input from them on decisions that the company is intending to make in the future. I agree with that. Amy? So I would say creating um, memorable moments with your clients. And that goes beyond just the everyday. It's asking questions, getting to know them. When I talk memorable moments, I'm talking about small details and listening. You know, Matthew was saying that about you're in the elevator and somebody asked you about your weekend, they remember. Um, I mean, go deep. Do they have dogs? Remember their names, their kids, their names. Think about what motivates them and then be thoughtful about it, whether it means, you know, sending a card or you're on video and, and you hear that uh, they're in the background playing with Legos and the mom says, oh, my son loves Legos. Send a leg to the sun, send the dog bones, you know, just like things that are, are a little out of the ordinary because people are used to getting the swag and this with your logo on it. Um, but they remember those things like the picture frame, like the, the dog bones and, and just really creating extraordinary memorable moments. And I think that not everything's always rosy. You know, there's, there's pits or, areas for improvement. And from those areas of improvement, you know, I would challenge anyone in a client experience role to make those pits peaks by filling them in and using it as an opportunity to grow stronger, learn and create peaks. Because I mean, the reality of it is that they say that it takes like 500% more to acquire a new customer than right. one, but yet 18% of companies don't even focus on that. So it's, right or only 18% really focus on that. So it's, it's a matter of, of just really um, thinking about the purpose. And then, I mean, I go back to the Jackson Healthcare, um, which is growth, wisdom, and others first. I mean, if you put others first, um, I really feel like, like you'll win because it's just a great way of doing business and a, a great way to create more memorable moments and retention with your clients. Well, I have a question for you then, Amy. What would you get to German Shepherds? I, think, I don't have two German Shepherds. Matthew does. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know what I would get to German Shepherds. What would you get to German Shepherds, Matthew? You said, why did I get two German Shepherds? Oh, what would what would you, what would we get them? What, what, what would be the gift? Oh, would you get them for a gift? Oh, oh. Um, well, they are um, they are especially um, they definitely love these things called bully sticks. Um, <laughs> they love those. Uh, a ball of any kind, a tennis ball. Uh, for whatever reason, they particularly love ones that make. Um, squeaking noises that they love to, um, you know, get out, particularly when I'm on a Zoom call. 
Um, so yeah, I would say a baller, those bully sticks are always um, things that they definitely would not turn away. I love it. I love it. Well, I appreciate you guys so much for joining me today and um, sharing your insights um, from, from your experiences and inside of Jackson Healthcare and Virtual Med. I really appreciate your time. And I want to thank our listeners for tuning in. I'm proud to share this show with you as these stories prioritize the customer experience as a legit business strategy, reminding us that no matter the business you are in, consulting, healthcare, or real estate, the customer experience should always be the heart of the business. 